Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to part three of the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. We are here, myself and my best friend Adam, in Lower Manhattan, in New York. We're by Ground Zero. We came along here to Ground Zero today to pay our respects and record this podcast. If you've listened to part one already, you'll have heard our thoughts, reflections, our memories around 9-11. Part two, I hear, we hear brilliant advice from Adam, actually, about being a new parent, new father. You know, it's really useful to hear the professional stuff, but it's also so helpful for new parents just to hear the stuff that... You don't know until you're a new parent. Even if you're a medical professional, a lot of the time you're like, oh gosh, what happens here? What do I do with this end and that end and <laughs> things with it? So it's been really, really useful. Uh, in part three, perhaps we'll reflect a little bit on our uh, friendship and things uh, and some of the life lessons that uh, we've learned. So I mean, the first question, gosh, how long have we been friends? We said in part one, we, we became friends in secondary school. Well, it would have been the year after 9-11, so we're talking seven, isn't it? 21 years. But we, we had very different journeys in life. Yeah. We went into secondary school and I was the, the, I was kind of like the, I was just not very cool, to be honest. And you were like the captain of the football team. You got probably the best sportsman in primary school. Came into secondary school, was the sports person, the rugby player, the cool kid, all the girls fancied Adam. I definitely was allegedly, not allegedly. On, uh, on that end of the, uh, on our end of the spectrum. And we weren't really friends the first few years. We had good mutual respect and stuff like that. And um, I think um, naturally we were both in the same classes. We were both bright. I'd say it was probably when the, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, when, yeah, we, yeah. when we separated into the subject, classes. like GCSE, yeah, I'd GCSE say year nine, maybe. Year nine we were year friends in year nine, yeah, but yeah. then we got very, very close in year 10. Um, I had periods of bullying and stuff like that. And I think you were kind of one of the saviors, weren't you? And I was getting bullied, basically. Uh, you really stuck up for me at the time. And because you were head honcho, the head of the cartel, if you like, because um, <laughs> you were basically played in the rugby team, but then you could say that's enough, no, no bullying, or not on my watch, and that was the end of that. But yeah, I also, I think I partly, I grew up, I suddenly became quite a tall uh, chap, and all of a sudden, perhaps it's not, wasn't as easy to bully. But anyway, um, you know, that's when we kind of became friends. And I think we bonded, actually, initially, over a sense of humour. We both got a very silly sense of humour, yeah. haven't we? Like, we love, like, dry sense of humour. We laugh at the most... Uh, ridiculous things. But I remember at school, people were almost surprised at our friendship, weren't they? Because you were the sports person and I was, I don't know really what I should be called <laughs> as to what I was. Um, we, we, people were surprised, but we became friends very quickly, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I can maybe relate to the description of you in, in school. Many people have asked me, <laughs> many people have asked me since. Yeah, what do people ask you? What was it like growing your, up? reality TV days the saying, oh, yeah what, 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 <laughs> was, what was Alex like in school and I said oh, the the way I would describe it was in the at least in the earlier years of our friendship year seven eight nine that kind of thing I said imagine the last person in the world <laughs> who would go on that show and that was Alex and that doesn't mean I'm not there's no negative connotations <laughs> to that but if you want to imagine your personality you just be, Always, I would say, always very polite, even before we were friends, very respectful, very polite. 
child uh, and teenager. So there was, as you said, always that mutual respect. But we grew closer later on in secondary school. Academia maybe brought us together with your ambitions of being a doctor. I didn't know what I wanted to do right at the Competitive start. And eventually decided on being a dentist. Yeah, and friendly competition. I think that did get us through We school. were so competitive, yeah. actually. But yeah, actually, it, did, nice it became way, yeah. uncompetitive ones, actually. Can we tell, tell that story? Which one? Which one? When you scuppered me. <laughs> when you scuppered me nicely. You claim I scuppered you many times. Yeah, so but you, no, but you did do me dirty once. Do you remember that time when you had basically the Oxford trip? Was it Oxford or Cambridge? Do you remember? So basically, there was a weekend with like the Oxford... Like, there oh, was the leadership kind of, awards. Leadership, there was some kind of thing. You know it was. I was, I was sick. For one day, I was ever sick and off school. So yeah. it was the Rotary Youth Leadership That's it, the Rotary, which sounded ro wonderful. Local Rotary I didn't know what club. it was, really. Yeah, but, yeah. And it was essentially where we had to give uh, an interview to a panel of local Rotary members who would then decide who uh, got the reward of going on this kind of outdoor pursuits week. Um, yeah. Uh, and the certificate that goes along with it that you could attach to your university application. Yeah. And I might have forgotten to mention to you that there, <laughs> that there was an interview involved for this. And I think you were at your peak competitiveness. And I missed, I missed basically, then, because yeah. he didn't tell me and I was off that day. I missed the date you could apply. And if I'd applied, we could have gone together. And then I found out that he knew and just omitted to tell me because you were worried that I might might do too well at but at least you forgot about it and you've you've recovered from I've it i've recovered from it since <laughs> it's fun. that was that was that was funny to be fair but no we we had competition on the whole we were we were very good about it actually you know we worked we pushed each other which was great. yeah i mean pushed i remember each other, I'd say, yeah. it was really good because i remember at gcse level and a levels we would spend a lot of time over my house your house yeah. i don't know why we chose my house often for the um exam period and we really pushed each other didn't we yeah we did um we pushed each other to to succeed and achieve and i think it's we really for each other's failures and successes yeah. i think weren't we i remember yeah we both remember and we've spoken about it since our as levels um, doing yeah go on yeah. chemistry uh, oh god for anyone who's sat chemistry or oh, anyone god. listening who's doing chemistry it's quite a daunting subject at secondary school and we, I think we tried to revise for the entire AS chemistry exam the night before. Yeah. I'm sure we did. And we didn't know the, we didn't, we didn't realize that we thought the ASs <laughs> were mocks. No one, we just went, in our fairness, and I, you know, I, the school, whatever, but we had about four different chemistry teachers that year or something, didn't we? It was, it was a bit of a mess that year, right? So no one, we didn't really have, I would say, particular teaching um, that year. And we just thought ASs were kind of a mock go. We thought, right, we'll put our heads down. Because naturally, you know, we had different character types, but we both, we perhaps need a bit of pressure at times yes. to get things done. Same, I have yeah. changed in some sense, but actually, I think it's probably ADHD really, but I, I think it's that need for a clear reason for me to put my hand down. An element of danger. An element of danger really, really helps. And anyway, the night before, we, or the day before, we asked the teacher, we're like, you know, these AS like, do they count for anything? And they're like, literally half of your A level. I was like, oh, ow. A lesson we needed, though. A lesson we needed. Yeah, we, we got punished really, nicely. Yeah. We did very yeah. badly in the AS. Yeah. And you did actually slightly better than me, but I, I did really bad. Uh, and we pulled it around, didn't we, in the year after. Um, although, of course, well, the fateful day, I turned up, you know, so basically in the end, you decided you wouldn't be a dentist, didn't yeah. you? And I decided yeah. to be a doctor. We thought, right, we'll apply to the same places. We'll try and go together. So we got a place at Liverpool, didn't we? You for dentistry, me for medicine. Did all the interviews and things. Turned up to the day. I mean, many of you hear this story before, so I'll keep it brief. But basically, you walked in, got the grades, lovely. And then you were waiting for me, like, this is great. Just get the grades now. We're off out tonight. Wine Street, big night out in Swansea, and then we're off to university. Of course, I come out and I missed out by two marks in chemistry because they downregulated my um, my coursework. I got scuppered. Yeah. Took me at the knees on my coursework. I, I remember thinking that 
genuinely that it was a joke almost because we we really did get through those exams together. Yeah. We, I think uh, the vast majority of, of our revision was done together. We knew what, ever, each what other. I knew, you knew, and you, you knew I knew. Yeah, <laughs> lucky enough to have a member of the biology tutor come into your house. You know, we really did. We really were prepared for those exams, and I think, it, as you say, it wasn't the exams that let you down in the end, it was the, the coursework, or the coursework let you down. Uh, dropped me from A yeah, to a D yeah, because yeah. it was two sentences yeah. that were apparently not right or something, dropped it to a D. Yeah, but all jokes aside, that day we've touched upon it this weekend when we've, uh, we've been having chats about school and all the rest of it, I think as you grow older, your emotional intelligence obviously gets uh, that much more advanced and you look back at the way you react to things and I can remember, obviously I'm sure I put my arm around you and said, oh, unlucky Al, but I really didn't maybe give you the time or the uh, attention you needed that day. That must have been a, a really massive thing to come to terms with and I remember you still came out with us on the night out and I look back and I think that was really uh, courageous to do that because you were surrounded by almost everyone celebrating going on towards the next stage of their life and you must have had you know really mm, difficult, difficult negative yeah. thoughts going through your mind it yeah it was difficult but you know that's life and also you had the it was important for you to be able to enjoy and yeah. celebrate you know you shouldn't just because i couldn't go didn't mean that you couldn't be excited about it and you know i, I knew that i wasn't going to give up and go again but you know it kind of moves it kind of brings us on to our to the to a key real point is that I think you know over the years we really have been there I think mostly for for each other there was a time at university because of the nature of going to university different places where we didn't spend as much time together or, or so on but I think friendship when you think about what what is friendship about is ultimately it is sharing amazing memories like this and we've been on a few trips together now and you know done some awesome things over the years but also, you know, really what it comes down to is being there. Like, who is there when the chips are down, when things need to be counted? And, you know, you, you've been amazing at that. I mean, I, I um, of course, one of the biggest memories that, that comes out or pops out of my head is that when Clear died, you know, you were the first person I called and said, you know, Clear has died. And for context, um, Clear um, got a place at medical school, but he was thinking about doing dentistry as well, wasn't he? He came and did some work experience with you. You were kind enough to have him there. You even went into school with him, didn't you? To do yeah, uh, we a did a, like a uh, dental health education day where Clear came with me to what would have been Clear's pre uh, primary school. And I went to your house or your parents' house in Carmarthen at the time to help Clear with his interview prep. Yeah, yeah. You'd helped him a lot and when he passed away, it obviously, it must have hit you so hard. I suppose you've known him for a very, very long time. All of his, of course, Clear is 10 years younger than me. You've known him basically all of his, almost the vast majority of his life. But, you know, I remember when I called you in the night time and I was, I was in sleep, I was in shock. You were sat outside the house in the car, weren't you? It came car. first thing, but didn't want to come in or impose myself. So I just waited for your, obviously your family to get together and wait till it was the right time. But yeah. It's as a friend, I think all I could do in that situation was be there. You know, the, we spoke about being a parent and then not being a, a manual on how to do things. And that's another event in my life where there's certainly no manual. I didn't have any experience of anything like that, or I didn't know what, if what I was doing was the right thing. I think sometimes it's just being around and not telling someone, you're not telling you what to feel, just being there and being a sounding board for you. I can remember vividly that morning I'm, it's it, it's not my story to tell so i won't tell many personal details it's 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 your, no, you can, it's your you story can share, but we I, I remember we had to go and collect some things from the yeah. caravan if you remember um some of Cleo's things and mum and dad's things that they needed because they 
wouldn't be going down to your family caravan for the next few weeks for obvious reasons. And we went to, I think we were in Harford West in the um, McDonald's there. And I can remember you just shouting, screaming, crying uh, about why, why has this happened? And it's a, as a friend, it was just heartbreaking. And, and I thought all I can do is be here. I don't know. There's nothing I can say. It must there's have been so traumatic for you because I actually better, can't yeah. even remember. But I, as you say that, I kind of remember flashbacks of just being like going from being quiet to being out of control. Like it's your body, yeah. like you, it's so. It's almost like a describe it as like a, a grenade going off at your feet. But unfortunately, and it sounds awful, but unfortunately, the grenade doesn't kill you in this scenario. It is something you have to live with. And every now and then, you feel the intensity of the grenade going off but you don't die, you're just there, and you're like, you have to handle this grenade that's gone off your feet. And it felt like that, it was waves of it, wasn't it? Where I was just like, the shock and was just became overcome. It, it was a crazy experience. One of the things I remember as well, we, we did that, but also one of the things you did was you brought a rugby ball, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. One of my strongest memories is a standing in the garden, just passing the ball for hours. I mean, you passed yeah. that rugby ball, got bloody good at passing, yeah. for hours. And, and I think the monotony, monotony or whatever of passing that ball and just trying like that that really helps the repetitiveness and just a task and it's something to focus on i think i again i can't speak for you i was going through it in, in my own way so i can't fathom how it felt for you but just standing there having to i think you know the oppressive nature of a family home in, in that kind of circumstance uh, not through anyone's fault but it's very difficult to sit inside you're all sharing this trauma and it's suffocating I can imagine and we would just get outside stand on the grass and just throw a rugby ball something as simple as that just the action of not thinking about what you're thinking about just for a few minutes and just thinking about that ball and throwing it and even for me I found it quite therapeutic so I'm glad something really simple managed to help well, you well. you were amazing at, at that time um, and you have been over the last few years because I think often people think about grief as the first few weeks after someone dies and you know, I would like to touch upon as well, you know, your experience of grief, because of course you've lost your, your dad, Jeffrey uh, Thomas, who, um, you know, I've, regularly I talk about my socials with a sphere of influence, which he, he used to talk about. Um, and he, you know, I, I spent so much time at your house. We used to watch sport together. He loved his football, ironically hated Man United. Yeah, I think, I, you say what, I think any sport, I think if professional tiddlywinks was a thing, my dad would, would watch there it for two hours. He'd enjoy watch it, watching yeah. any sport. Um, and that's the man you had. So, you, you know, you, experienced you know grief and and then you, you still experience grief losing a father uh, and you lost him too young as well of course he you know he, he died uh, as a young man following heart problems over a period of, of time i guess you know the big part of friendship in those situations isn't the days and weeks afterwards it's the years after because i've kind of the grief has affected my health so much hasn't it and i think a year ago we were talking about this um this weekend um a year ago i was in a terrible state of health yeah. a year 18 months ago you know, the drink, the food, everything, the grief had affected me. I'd obviously got through a breakup and all these different things. Being a friend, is, it's a, it's a long-term game, isn't it? And it's hard sometimes. I mean, you've had to talk to me when I've been inconsolable and I've been felt heartbroken, I felt extreme grief or whatever. It, it's not easy being a friend, is it, at times? It's not, it's not easy um, in the sense of no one likes to see their friend going through difficult times. It's not something that you obviously want for anyone, but it is it is rewarding to be able to be there for someone. I don't ever 
I don't resent any of the phone calls we've had. A uh, number of hours, hours we've well. spent on the phone. <laughs> Sorry yeah, that. no, that's absolutely fine. It's, that's, <laughs> that is, in my good opinion, good job is free. In my good opinion, job with the contract yeah. that comes free. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't come free. You pay. Thank for God it. for unlimited. Unlimited. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, Vodafone. Thank you. Yeah. But that—that that is it. In in my estimations, at least, that's what friends are for. I, I, I don't think the, the the fun times like we're enjoying now are necessarily the most important things. You can do that with most friends. It's being able to be there when the chips are down, and that's where you really bond with someone. A lot of the time is when you're going through those moments together and you see someone at their most vulnerable. I think when people are vulnerable, they're perhaps at their most honest. Yeah, I think when things are good, people have got a facade that they put up. We all do. It's not anything malicious that they're doing, but you're not seeing the real person. I think when you've been through, as we've already touched upon, exam distress, the exam revision, the build-up, the going through the teenagers, you suffering bullying and all the multitude of things we've said. We've been through a lot and I know many of your listeners will have those friends where they, they might have a wide circle of friends. I've never been someone that has a really wide circle of friends. I've always had a small number of close friends and I think we all know who those people are. But when you're going through a moment like that, you can just pick up the phone and it might be years. Like you say, we, we hadn't seen each other as often relatively as we had done previously in the last few years of uni. And I know when you were working in London, I hadn't seen you for a while and then one day, was it a Sunday evening at nine o'clock? I saw you in Mallorca. <laughs> <laughs> on the team. In fairness, I literally team. did not. I, yeah. I am someone who does follow the rules. If I have yeah, an NDA yeah. and I'm told yeah. not to tell anyone, yeah. I didn't it's, tell. It's, it's not the only Alex's people fault. that I had had a few missed my, calls, a few. Yeah. And then, so it was, it was uh, yeah. by my own admission, my I think own we fault. had a feud yeah. at the time. One of we our had a competitive, We had a competitive feud yeah. that was silly, but we learned a lot after that. <laughs> um, you know, but I only told uh, one person who actually does lie, two people, who were going to sort out the social media and my uh, and my parents? That was it. No one knew. Well, actually, no, that's actually not quite true. Obviously, the hospital were aware, but I mean, no one that was not like contractually or needed to directly know knew. And part of it, I thought it would be hilarious for you to see me coming on this. What? Hilarious would be what was your one way of putting it. What was your reaction? I'm, as I mentioned at the start, I'm someone who can't listen to my own voice. I'm someone who finds it quite uncomfortable watching myself on camera and obviously being so close to you. If I if I said to you I was watching it through the crack of the door. Were you literally? <laughs> I, I was hiding, yeah, I couldn't watch. Especially after that first um, yeah, well, I, show I, I, I wasn't someone who, I, I hadn't watched Love Island before, so I didn't really, I understand the, the vague concept of the show, but I didn't know the ins and outs. And as someone who would have to be paid vast, vast <laughs> sums of money to go on a show like that, me no By the way, I well got 50 quid a week, so yeah, yeah. that's all I got. That's yeah. not a joke, it was 50 quid a week, yeah. something like that. But, I, you know, I, I just felt for you, really. Um, not that you did anything wrong, but just me knowing how distressful the tro- the tro- I would You must have found it, yeah. the trolling oh, yeah, on the outside. That was the first episode, and as it went on, I, I don't need to name names. Some, Some people died in the trolling, people. Uh, trolled you, and it, it was difficult to see, and I think that was my first exposure to seeing that things can be said about people, especially in the more tabloid-esque aspects of our news culture that are categorically untrue and quite malicious. And until you've seen behind that curtain and realized how how false it really is, it is quite eye-opening, really. So I, well, I, even I you did saw, find that You saw that a, a certain yeah. paper said that I was making £5,000 a day off my... Uh, of my cottages in Wales, my par- where my parents live, on the land, on the property my parents live in, 
they're running um, holiday cottages, which I renovated um, because, well, they're entitled to have jobs. They live, they're from the area, born a few miles away. Um, and of course, it brings so much business to local farm shop and everything there. It's a great thing, gives them purpose, they love it. Uh, and and whatever, I wouldn't say it's a particularly profitable thing, it's huge costs and so on, but apparently, according to newspapers, making five grand a day. I think I did the maths, I think it's gonna take, for the money I invested, it's gonna take about four years to pay off my costs, let alone make any uh, profit. <laughs> five grand a day. Anyway, but anyway. You let the truth get in the way of a good story. No, exactly, it's true, and I laugh about these things. Like, do you know what, if it sells you some papers, fine, but uh, I would be very, very weary if I was anyone to listen to, to things, you know, just be very careful, I would say. You know, lots of journalists do a fantastic job and I've worked with some brilliant journalists from a vast number of newspapers and, you know, online and all this kind of stuff on TV who are absolutely fantastic, so I'm really not painting it, but I would look at things sometimes if it sounds like it might not be true or it's something that sounds a little bit inflammatory extreme, then, then just be hesitant to, to Add fully a believe. large pinch of salt. A large, a large, large £4,999 pinch of salt <laughs> to... Uh, for every single day of the of the story, um, but yeah. So we'll find a question just on the period of time of I guess um, over the years since Love Island and what I've been doing now. Do you think that I've changed? And I, and I ask that you can be as literally be honest about. It. Do you think? Do you see that I've changed? Yes. I mean, it's impossible not to change. Yeah, I guess. yeah. Uh, I went to a talk uh, that you did recently. Was it? We're near us. Near us. Yeah, near enough. Yeah. And you you made the uh, analogy of like uh, meandering through life and nothing being a straight path and there's deviations to what you thought might happen and, and such. So I've seen you pre and post Love Island. I would say in the last couple of months, you're definitely more on an even kilter, more of what you were before. I think going through the experience you did, being thrust into the limelight like that, it's obviously destabilized you a little bit. Um, in all aspects, I don't mean that to be that you weren't yourself, but maybe, you know, you, there were changes in your personality, and but you, we've come through the other end. You've I, I say change in your personality. That's not even what I'm trying to explain. I think it was just so massive what you went through. The boat was rocked. Wasn't yeah, it? the boat was rocked, and multiple times in the last five years. Yeah, it's been. and I factor into that. Obviously, we've touched on here personal relationships, lots have happened in the last few years. But I would say, looking at you now, you're standing in front of me, looking very fit and healthy. Um, not drinking at the moment, which for you has been fantastic. So I think you're definitely, definitely on a, in a good place right now. Right. Yeah, sure. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You were part of my ADHD diagnosis. So um, as a psychiatrist, you assess me, assess the family, do questionnaires, you fill out, you do all these different assessments and so on. Part of it is this like lengthy interview process with someone that knows you really well, myself and the psychiatrist. Have you found it like interesting to see that diagnosis or 
you know, you've known me for a long time. Do things make more sense for you? Uh, I, I, one of the things that really shocked me, actually, one of the biggest things that I take away from that interview is when you said that you do have to think, you and Emma, if we're going to do things, if I'm coming to do it with you, you do actually adapt and have to factor in what, I, what I'm like with the impulsivity yeah. and all the, the ability, inability sometimes to just sit still and be present at something. Like you wouldn't go and watch a film with me, for example. I found that quite shocking because I never before that considered that you go, oh, Alex is coming, okay, let's not do that, let's do something yeah. different. I th yeah, I was there for the um, part of the diagnostic process. Yeah, yeah. It was a very small part in the grand scheme of things, but I did see it. And having a brief chat with the psychiatrist, uh, I forget the lady's name now, yeah. uh, excuse me, but she was really, really nice and she explained things a little bit to me, but it, you did say, am I right in saying that the, the symptoms that you perhaps present with get more is that standard in ADHD that it gets more noticeable it can it can it certainly can be as you get older um, yeah. things often become more noticeable because um, you know as you go into your own life and you enter like the working world and you start having relationships yeah. and stuff like that things often show themselves perhaps more than they do when you're a young child yeah so I, I it does explain many things from when we were younger, but I would say in my experience, and I, I can only say from my point of view, it explains more things from the last few years when it comes to, as we said, I perhaps wouldn't go and watch a film with you or other subtle changes I'd make. Let's say this trip, you know, Alex was kind enough to bring me on this trip with him. Uh, it's my birthday coming up. And we had a little tentative plan of what we were doing. Everyone's I'm... going to be one of you, my friend. <laughs> Perks of the friendship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no wonder he's such a bloody good friend. <laughs> so we had like a little itinerary, didn't we? Yeah. And I, I was thinking, right, what can I, what are we going to do that is not going to be yeah. anything for too long? Like, how can I keep this varied? We can't, we can't be in any one place for too long. And that's not, you know, you, I'm sure you'd go along with it if I did, but I just tailor my time when I'm with you to try and make, make things as pleasant as I can for you. And it's just, that doesn't mean I'm, so I'm, I'm not enjoying myself. It's just doing approaching yeah. things differently. Yeah, it's learning, isn't it? We all learn, and I think that's why it's important with ADHD and other neurodiversity. Um, but you, you have been absolutely brilliant throughout everything, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful. I'm very fortunate to have you as my friend, actually, my very best friend. It's actually been really brilliant to, to, to kind of, I don't know, have you, like someone who's from your own life come on the podcast, and actually Abby said I should have my mum on it as well. But the yeah, problem is, probably. if I do an episode with my mum, it will be like, we will have to have 20 parts. <laughs> my mum can talk, can't she? People have to leave things talker. off their phone to create yeah, memory. Yeah, to create memory, because yeah, my yeah. mum is a talker. But yeah. she has a lot to say, in fairness to her. She's amazing. Now, I, I just want to ask you, it is a sensitive subject, and you might not want to talk about it too much, but I, I wanted to kind of ask you, because, you know, we, talk, we mentioned Jeff, uh, your dad, who passed away. Um, it's a, it'll come to the anniversary in November. Yeah. Right? November time. It's been a few years uh, since he's passed away. That was a really, really difficult time, wasn't it? Because of course he suffered a, a, an illness to, to his heart uh, and, he, and, and he passed away. And we talked about parenthood, fatherhood in, in part two. It must be quite hard as well being a parent because it must, I guess, bring you imaginations or thoughts. I don't know, I don't want to put it into, well, well, kind of put words fine. into your yeah, yeah. mouth, but I, I wonder how much it kind of brings up thoughts of him and perhaps him in your shoes, what it would be like having the first child. Of course, you've got an older sister. Who, was, who would have been the first child. Absolutely. How has it been being a parent in that and with those memories? I think it's, I think one of the biggest things for me was when you're a child, you see your parents as different to you almost. They're like beacons of stability. It's that classic thing of everyone thinks their parents have got everything sorted out and they don't have any problems when you're younger. You just see 
things in a very simplistic way and then you get older and you realize they were probably going through all the stresses you're going through now and I uh, as you say it's coming up to the anniversary well in later on in the winter coming up to the anniversary of my dad's death and it will be gosh four years then so Cara was born a couple of years after my dad died but I can remember in the first few weeks after Cara being born my mum came around with some home videos she'd had converted onto DVDs and we were watching in the in the living room and it was a video of me I think it was with my dad as a young a little baby really and he was feeding me some food I was a really greedy kid I think I was stealing his uh, bacon sandwich we both things, have so always I was loved a our toddler, food. yeah <laughs> and I think in that video my dad was my age now if that makes sense uh, to you guys listening so he, he'd have been the same age as I am recording this podcast and, his there there about. and I think just looking and realizing wow I'm now <laughs> going through what my dad was going through and I used to imagine that he had everything all clued up and he had no problems in his life and it, and it, it really was quite, well, obviously very upset and knowing that he's not here to see his grandchild, uh, of course, uh, but it's just such his life. He was very unlucky. I mean, we spoke about um, the 9-11 memorial behind us and we said about what, what lesson do you take home from it? and. We've spoken about some problems. I've mentioned it to you on one of our many phone calls when we're talking about how to get through things and saying, look, no matter how bad things may be, I often think of my dad. And I think if I said to my dad, dad, you can have your time back. We can remove your heart condition, um, cardiomyopathy that he had, but it means you're going to have to deal with all the nonsense and all the troubles, the shit of life, yeah. Uh, what do I think he would do? And I know that he would bite my hand off. He was a man that loved life and he would do anything to be back with us now. And I think that's when I think of my dad, that's what I think. I think I need to make the most of everything with Cara because I know what he would give to be able to be in my position. So uh, that's my biggest mm. thing. He's an amazing man, Jeff was. And, and, uh, and I always remember, you know, I remember uh, watching the sports. I remember getting up at a ridiculous time in the morning to watch UFC yep. <laughs> and things. Yep. I've got some amazing memories. He loved his Dr. Oikers Dr. pizza pizzas, as well. Yeah. We used to really enjoy those. We love our pizza. We've had many pizzas on this trip. And by the way, we will be talking about our top advice and things, pizza places to go and behind the Stormcast. But, you know, we, we, we love those times. They were amazing memories. But I always remember his advice about the sphere of influence, isn't it? He had a very solid perspective on life in that sense like what is within your sphere of influence control the controllables and the other things you've got to let go he was very pragmatic about that he was he? he was really good uh, at giving advice in that way he came across i think he, he gave advice in a very calm way and he was one of those people that i think had a little bit of knowledge at least a little bit of knowledge about everything there wasn't yeah. many oh, he was like he was an encyclop- he he's an encyclopedia like you yeah, are i think really. he may be an encyclopedia i might be the uh, how-to guide for thesaurus yeah, is that the yeah. word no, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think I could learn a lot from the way he used to give advice, but he did tell us, I remember saying, when we were fretting over something probably very menial in our teenage years, saying, boys, you need to think about your sphere of influence and your sphere of control. If there's something you can do about it, work on that and do it. You know, you, see, you can't ignore your problems. If, if you can influence things, do it. Once you've done all you can do, there's absolutely no point you wasting, our t- wasting your time. I think we're, we were both fretters. I think yeah, that would we be were, a... Yeah fair to say yeah. and we used to like maybe amp each other up worrying about yeah. things and I think when you <laughs> we love drama we love drama yeah and I think when you learn that you can't you can't waste your time worrying about things like that it's the most natural thing at the time to worry but it is kind of uh, 
what word would I use? It is very uh, comforting to realize that sometimes there's nothing you can yeah, do about important. it. So re it's relaxing in a way. You, you, you can relax a little bit and accept that there's nothing you can do. That doesn't mean you accept defeat. It just means that you, you don't fret over the things you can't control. Well, he's a very wise man, and you are a wise man, and uh, I'm certain that he'd be very, very proud of you and uh, would love Cara dearly. And uh, we've, got, we've done a full circle, excuse the pun, sphere of influence, a full circle. Um, and just, I guess, to say to, to everyone a, a huge thank you for listening to this episode, for supporting the Stompcast. You know, we've got an amazing community now, both on the Stompcast here, also on behind the Stompcast. It's incredible. It means so much to me, and I'm very, very grateful. A huge thank you to Tad for coming on the podcast. You've never done things something like this before. No. You're brilliant and absolute <laughs> pro. You love the podcast, don't you? I but do, Joe yeah. Rogan, you're a big Joe Rogan. I'm a big podcast. Joe Rogan fan. Uh, Let's get Joe on the Get uh, Joe Rogan now. That's, that that's quite a. Uh, we'd love him and Ronnie, Ronaldo as well, wouldn't we? <laughs> We're both United fans. We'd love Ronaldo on the Stompcast. I don't know if that will ever happen. Guys, um, thank you so much for listening. We are going to do a Q&A session on Behind the Stompcast. Um, you, you basically sent a load of questions in. We're going to answer those questions, give our tips and advice of what you need to do before coming to New York, when should you come, where should you visit, some of the tourist traps we think you should avoid, avoid and should we tell them our favourite pizza that we've tried in New York as well? I think we maybe got one more to try today. We need to try we one more. It, yeah. so we'll, yeah. we'll actually record this episode. I think we'll record it tomorrow so we have a bit more time to try more pizza. So we can give you more slices. Yeah, a few yeah. more slices. We can give you maybe the top three places to go. We've, been, we've both been to New York Pretty, you know, between us now, nearly ten times or something. Um, and of course, oh, I forgot to say right at the end, a, a final great. Oh God, I'm so I'm terrible. Um, I completely forgot to mention that Adam did actually get married in New York <laughs> in Central Park. I literally had that as one of my things to ask, and I forgot to say. So you have to leave it with a final note about what was it like to get married in Central Park? Yeah, very, very interesting. No, it was great. <laughs> I completely I mean, forgot to put, Not to put a downer at the end of the episode, but we spoke about uh, my dad's health uh, problems at the time. So it was uh, at the time where my dad was unwell in hospital. I, I'm sure many of you are thinking, what, what on earth you went to New York to get married while your dad was in hospital? But I could maybe put some context to it. You know, my dad was very unwell and at the time, no matter where we got married, my dad wouldn't have been able to go. Yeah. And my mum, being the, the street, incredible person yeah. she is, quite rightly would have stayed with my dad in hospital. So it just felt like almost more harrowing and difficult to have been getting married around the corner, possibly, from where my dad was lying in hospital. So Emma and I made the decision just to do something really different and come to New York. It's a place we both loved. Um, it was October time, it was a day very similar to today, actually. Unbelievable weather, given that I know New York can be a bit more like London uh, than Miami when it comes to weather. And it was a perfect October day. And we were originally going to get married. Uh, I'm guilty of forgetting the name of the building now. Think of it like, a, a, I guess, a very big registry office. But there were roadworks, quite significant roadworks outside. And <laughs> in no circumstances was Emma going to have a... No. Uh, wedding photos with roadworks so we asked where could we get married instead so we went with a private registrar who's very reasonable believe it or not price wise who said you can get married within reason wherever you want so we decided on Central Park in a little place called Wagner Cove if anyone listening knows Central Park is near the strawberry fields area of Central Park we actually went there the other day yeah we, we did. took Alex 
because Alex uh, wasn't there at the time when we got married. That's a different story. That's a different, completely different story. We need another three part. We need another part, that. part. That'll bring up all uh, sorts. Uh, but yeah, nothing but amazing memories. So New York will always be special to me for that reason and somewhere I imagine I'll always come back. Uh, we the, both love New York, don't we? Yeah. I think that's fair. We both love this place. We do love this place. It's my favourite place to come to, on Earth apart from, in terms of cities, my favourite city on Earth apart from London. I love this place. Yeah. special. This, and this place and uh, Bubbleton's Farm. Bubbleton's Farm in Pembrokeshire. I'd really <laughs> recommend going to Bubbleton's Farm. Just, just if you're going to go and stay at the Holly Cottage, go and have a Bubbleton's breakfast. You'll enjoy yourself. Bubbleton's will like me saying that, I'm sure. Guys, thank you so much. Um, head to Behind the Stuntcast and Apple Podcasts um, to have a listen to um, that BTS uh, and also to have access to the diaries and everything as well. Uh, a huge thank you. Please remember to rate and review uh, as well. It really helps. And of course, uh, if, I, if you want more mental health and mental fitness advice, actually talk about the sphere of influence and give practical work um, toolkits, if you like, to attach to mental fitness, my book, uh, the Mind Manual is available. Also, A Better Day, which won Children's Book of the Year, which is still kind of crazy to say. Children's Book of the Year is also available for children too. So thank you so much. Check out those books. Look after yourself. And of course, please do come to New York and visit uh, the 9-11 Memorial. Come along and see Ground Zero. See, uh, well, I keep calling it the Freedom Tower. It isn't that. Come and check it out. It's an amazing place. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you so much. Take care and goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.